You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for July 16th, 2023, the seventh Sunday after Pentecost. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Elizabeth Garnsey. It's based on Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9 and 18 through 23. Well, as some of you may know, I spent some time in France for a couple of years in my 20s. A graduate study program in Paris led me to a brief internship in a French company where I learned some formal business French, such as how to write formal letters and polite business faxes for my boss, who spoke nearly zero English. And after that internship, I lucked into a very very poorly paid but very richly rewarding journalism gig, helping to set up Associated Press Television in Paris. And at APTV, I functioned as a scrappy production assistant and cub reporter, dashing around Paris on the back of a cameraman's motorcycle sometimes, or in the metro, with my tape recorder in hand, to press conferences or election polling places, or to interviews or to events. And during this job, I learned a lot of street French, and I learned particular vocabulary of stories I was working on, maybe about France's nuclear testing in Polynesia, or about the annual arrival of the Beaujolais Nouveau. But even with all of this language learning and particular vocabulary, I never did reach that high level of fluency required in order to tell, hear, or understand things like subtle jokes or intellectual conversations. I had English-speaking relatives there and friends, and I was working in the English-speaking newswire service. So in a major way, for the whole time I was there, Even though I fell in love with France, my mindset always remained a bit on the outside of the culture, the way short-term expats can be. Eventually, my legal working status expired and I had to come back to the United States, never really having become Frenchified. I knew a lot of the language. I pronounced it well enough not to get English in return every time I opened my mouth. And I could get around Paris blindfolded, And some of the experiences changed the course of my life forever. But my French skills waned quickly, because the heart of the matter is, I never really learned how to think like a French person. Mindset and worldview are intricately tied to language. To really speak French or another language, you have to dial in to the culture's consciousness to go deep in language that constructs sentences totally differently than we do in English. The French are both more serious and more carefree than we are. They are at once more rule-following and more pleasure-loving. The French love paradox and style and wit over our English language's straightforward and practical phrases. They love their national heroes and their holidays, and yet they have a soft spot for anarchy. Just get caught in a subway workers' strike and you'll know what I mean. I never did flip the switch in my brain from American to French person. Language-wise, I was like the rocky ground or the thorny path that the sower's seeds fell on, much the same way that Jesus is teaching in the Gospel of Matthew from his boat on the shores of Galilee to the crowds on the beach. Today's teaching is not so much a parable about the kingdom of heaven, of which we will hear so many in the weeks to come, Today is a parable about Jesus himself. I think Jesus is the seed in this story, sowed into the world by the divine sower. He's not altogether well-received, in fact, hardly at all well-received, yet he is lavishly offered, 
generously given, always and everywhere. Like a tiny seed, he's able to find his way into every nook and cranny of our human experience with the hope of bringing life and love to us in every time and place and experience of our lives. But just like my mind did not click on to the French mindset enough to become truly fluent in the language, so many of Jesus' hearers then and now do not undergo the total transformation required to really understand what Jesus is about and what he is saying and what our life is like to follow him. We reject and we disbelieve, we doubt, we even scoff that Jesus' way can work in every situation. Nonviolence, nonviolent resistance, forgiveness, patience, love your enemies, do not be afraid, do not worry. These are really hard things in the day to day. At times and in certain situations, they seem out of the question, impossible, ridiculous. And yet, these are the countercultural seeds of life that Jesus brings into the world. Jesus functions squarely within the tradition of wisdom teachers of his epoch. He was not a priest, in spite of that high Christological metaphor in Hebrews calling him our great high priest. When Jesus was walking the earth, he had nothing to do with temple hierarchy. And he was not primarily a prophet in the sense that he was not sent to Israel to warn them of impending political doom in order to turn them back to God, though he did have his aim to turn us to God. Jesus was first and foremost a wisdom teacher. He's addressed as rabbi or teacher 60 times in the Gospels. Mindset is too small a word for the wisdom teaching of Jesus. Consciousness really gets closer to the zone. Jesus was in the business of not just adjusting mindsets, but of utterly transforming our human consciousness. The Episcopal priest and wisdom teacher in her own right, whom I often turn to, Cynthia Bourgeau, says that Jesus is proposing a total meltdown and recasting of human consciousness, bursting through the tiny acorn selfhood with which we come into the world, into the oak tree of our fully realized personhood. In a few weeks, with the parable of the mustard seed, this image will come in handy again. Jesus teaches in parables and comparisons, not to entertain or even to clarify things for us, but to awaken and startle us, ultimately to transform our way of seeing. One person calls Jesus' parables spiritual hand grenades because they aren't used to confirm, but to uproot. Jesus invites us into an understanding of the world as it is and into a whole new way of imagining the world as it could be. He was clearly a spiritual genius and a masterful teacher, encompassing both confusion and wonder as necessary steps in a spiritual path. Jesus takes the injunction to love your neighbor to its outer limits in the Sermon on the Mount contained earlier in Matthew, in chapters five to seven, where he says things such as, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. He taught, of course, you shall not murder. 
But do not even harbor anger in your heart towards anyone, for that is equivalent to committing murder. He said, turn the other cheek, go the second mile. If someone asks for your coat, give them your shirt also. These are confusing and impossible teachings, yet they inspired the nonviolent resistance movements led by the likes of Mahatma Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr., movements that bore fruit enough to begin to change the modern world. And even more confounding are Jesus' Beatitudes, in which he said, blessed are the poor, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek. Jesus takes his teaching far beyond the world of purity codes and moral righteousness. He offers a vision both inspiring and confusing. So as we arrive at Matthew 13, we encounter how Jesus will teach us, how he will teach the people, about the ways this subversive culture and language of the kingdom of God is breaking into the world, whether we see it with our own eyes and hearts or not. The seeds have been sown. Emmanuel, God is with us. That's how the Gospel of Matthew begins and ends. God is with us. The kingdom of God has broken in and taken root. Some hearts will receive it, others will not. But God's seeds will not fail to grow in places where it is cultivated. And where it does, it produces unimaginable fruit. The writer Brian McLaren asks rhetorically, was Jesus a fool to think that the tiny handful of people who got only a sliver of his message and saw some faint glimmer of what he saw could outlive him and do greater things than he did? He certainly was. And our work is to be the same kind of fools, so to speak, who see even the faint glimmers of God's radical life of love at work in the world, the love that shows mercy and patience and kindness and self-restraint, justice, forgiveness, compassion, self-giving generosity, even and especially in the most impossible situations. Our work is to participate in the, that way of life at every opportunity and have faith that these tiny seeds of love are vital enough to grow no matter the ground they fall upon. It's easy to remain just outside of that culture of God or kingdom of God, as Matthew's gospel puts it. But when we move into a Christ consciousness, put on the mind of Christ, as our Romans reading talks about, we become transformed into people who can begin to really speak the language of God. We begin to embrace the world and the whole of creation with the same love that God does. And when we do, there is no limit to the fruit God's life and love will bear through our lives. We can't learn this language with our brains or by memorization or by signing on to a set of beliefs or rituals. Jesus' language is one that can only be learned by immersing ourselves in an entirely new consciousness, with an entirely new set of eyes, and a new heart by which to perceive the world and to perceive our place and our role in it. The invitation to Jesus issued in the story of the sower today is an invitation to have our hearts and minds turned inside out and upside down. I haven't given up on my French yet, but the culture and the language I really hope to do better in is this culture and language of the kingdom of God. 
This summer, as we travel further along into Jesus' many parables of the kingdom of God, we pray that the sower's divine seeds will take root in us and grow, uprooting and transforming our minds and our hearts and our lives. Amen. You can find more sermons on our website, www.stmarksnewcanon.org.